Hi, you're listening to Bonus Points, the official podcast of Mr. Astell's Theology Class. Join us as we put out into the deep and explore the world of theology and beyond. Today, we're talking about a famous sacramental, the St. Benedict Medal. Let's begin. Hello and welcome to episode 71 of Bonus Points. On today's episode, I thought that I would talk about an important sacramental and how it helps us in our daily fight against evil. I'm talking about the St. Benedict Medal, which is pretty cool for a few reasons. As part of this conversation, we'll also have to talk about what exactly a sacramental is and maybe clear up some misunderstandings about them. I'll also share a few stories from the life of St. Benedict that relate to the images on the medal and his association with spiritual warfare. Before we get into any of that, make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button so that you never miss an episode of Bonus Points. You can also share this show with a friend, probably by hitting that share button in your podcast app. Finally, you can find more information about the show on bonuspointspodcast.com. Okay, so I mentioned already that the St. Benedict Medal is an important sacramental, and I recognize that this word may not be familiar to everybody. It sounds like sacrament, and there is a connection, but sacramentals are a different thing. Let's start with the definition from the Catechism. Paragraph 1667 says, Holy Mother Church has, moreover, instituted sacramentals. These are sacred signs which bear a resemblance to the sacraments. They signify effects, particularly of a spiritual nature, which are obtained through the intercession of the church. By them, men are disposed to receive the chief effect of the sacraments, and various occasions in life are rendered holy. If you're familiar with the definition of a sacrament, you'll see a resemblance there. Both sacraments and sacramentals are outward or visible signs. This is important because we are embodied creatures. I know I've said this on the show a million times before, but we are body-soul composites. You are both a body and a soul, and it is your body that you use to interact with the world around you. Even this podcast is coming to you through your sense of hearing, and it's mediated by things like your phone or your computer or whatever you're using to listen. So when it comes to worship, there's always a physical level, because that's how we interact with the world around us. That's why we have sacred art and Gregorian chant, and that's why we use different postures in the Mass. All of these are ways of making visible what is invisible. Now, here's the difference between sacraments and sacramentals. Where sacraments give grace, sacramentals dispose us to receive grace, or, or they prepare us to receive grace. The Catechism says that they dispose us to receive the chief effects of the sacraments. So, sacramentals support sacraments by helping us to get as much grace as we can out of them. You know, unlike sacraments which were instituted by Christ, sacramentals are instituted by the Church. That's why we can have new ones arise throughout church history, like the St. Benedict Medal. And I think it's important to start here, because I've noticed a trend in some circles, 
And um, maybe this is just my very limited experience. But I've noticed a trend where some people put so much emphasis on sacramentals that they neglect the sacraments. Both are important to our spiritual lives, of course. But sacramentals, including the St. Benedict Medal, are there to dispose us, to prepare us for the sacraments. So that's our context here. The St. Benedict Medal, like any sacramental, is there to enrich our faith life, prepare us for the sacraments. It's a way of exercising our baptismal priesthood and by bringing our faith beyond the walls of the church, beyond that hour on Sunday morning. Now, there are hundreds of different sacramentals. You know, this is a category that includes things like blessings of people or objects, um, but also some objects themselves. You think of things like rosary beads, the scapular, um, palms, like what we get on Palm Sunday, oil, candles. All of these are important sacramentals. One of the maybe big categories of sacramentals is medals. If you have ever been in a Catholic store, you've probably seen tiny drawers with um, small medals for all sorts of different saints. Usually these medals are a circle um, or an oval with an image of the saint on the front. And you can usually get them for like less than a dollar in most cases, unless you want one that's, that's like sterling silver or, or commemorative or something like that. Uh, many people wear them on a chain around their necks or will attach them to their rosaries or keep them in their pockets. These medals became super popular in the 16th century, so the 1500s, but the practice actually goes back much further. In the pre-Christian Roman world, people often wore medals around their neck called amuletum or amulets. They believed that wearing them would produce some sort of supernatural effect like a talisman. The early church took this practice, removed the talismanic element, and turned it into a sign of devotion. You know, we've talked about this on the show before, um, especially back in episode 46 on the origin of Halloween, but this is an example of the church baptizing something from the culture. We can take something secular, or something that has secular origins, recognize the good things about it, and direct those good things to Christ. But I especially want to highlight that the church made it very clear that unlike the Roman amuletum, these devotional medals are not magic. <laughs> the sacramentals always presuppose the piety and devotion of the user. Otherwise, they don't have any particular effect. I mean, after all, they're there to orient us more toward the sacraments. Treating them like magic charms that work no matter what is exactly the kind of superstition that we're often falsely accused of by non-Catholics. Anyway, we have uncovered examples of these, um, these early Christian medals as far back as the second, sen second century. Um, one example we have from archaeology is a depiction of Saints Peter and Paul, and was probably given to pilgrims who visited Rome. This was a very common use of the medal, to commemorate visits to important shrines or to mark important events. In the medieval era, you had medals that were inscribed with short messages, such as um, the symbol IHS or Hail Mary, Pray for Us, that was a common one. 
And if my memory serves me right, and I did not look this up to verify, so take it for what it's worth, but um, I think one of the characters in the Canterbury Tales wore one of these medals inscribed with the motto, Love Conquers All. Um, but again, take that for what it's worth. I think I'm recalling that from a high school English class. Anyway, devotional medals became extreme, extremely, extremely popular in the 16th century because Pope Pius V began blessing them and encouraging the faithful to wear them or carry them. Based on all of this, you might expect a St. Benedict medal to be similar to other St. medals. And it is, in many ways. It's round, it's made of metal, and it has a depiction of St. Benedict on the front. But it also has many elements that make it unique, and that are connected to the medal's reputation um, as, a, as a helpful tool in spiritual warfare. Before we talk about that, though, let's look at St. Benedict himself. We talked about St. Benedict back in episode 67, when we talked about what his rule has to say to leaders of every sort. In that episode, I gave a brief sketch of his life and how he became the founder of the Benedictine Order. Instead of repeating all that here, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that part of episode 67 if you're not already familiar with St. Benedict. Most of the stories we have from his life come from a book by Pope St. Gregory the Great called The Dialogues, which, again, we referenced back in episode 67 as well. Book two of the Dialogues is all about the life of St. Benedict. There are a few things we read about in this biography that are the foundation for this association between St. Benedict and spiritual warfare. And at this point, I want to offer a disclaimer about spiritual warfare and the demonic. I think that this is important anytime these topics come up, because they often generate both a lot of interest and a lot of misunderstanding. When it comes to demonic activity or spiritual warfare, people are naturally interested, right? These stories draw us because they tend to be dramatic or sensational, and we can think of like what we see in the movies. Here's the thing. The devil is real, full stop. Demons are real. Spiritual combat is real. Exorcisms are real. We are in the middle of a war, and plenty of people don't even realize they're on the battlefield. Of course, if you are in a battle, it is important for you to know your enemy, to know their tactics, to know your tactics. That knowledge is essential. At the same time, sometimes we can seek this knowledge for the wrong reason. We can seek out knowledge of the demonic because we want to hear about something sensational or something cool. There can also be this tendency to give the devil more credit than he deserves, in a sense. Um, we can focus so much on what demons can do that we become afraid, paranoid, or suspicious. I want to caution everyone listening against both of these tendencies. Anytime we talk about the demonic, we need to make sure that we are seeking the knowledge for the right reason. We want to know our enemy, right? We're not just looking for a story that's thrilling. We also need to remember that the cross has the final word. No matter how powerful the devil is, he has already lost the war. This might be a good segue to talk about St. Benedict, because most of the stories that associate him with spiritual warfare seem pretty mundane, or if not mundane, at least not 
dramatic. As you would expect, he has a lot to say about growing in virtue and resisting temptation. And that is exactly where most spiritual combat occurs. Things can get more dramatic, of course, and we do see some of those stories in the life of St. Benedict as well. But it's important to remember that 90%, 95% of our spiritual battles occur precisely in those everyday struggles. That said, there are two stories from St. Benedict's life that we read about in the dialogues. I mention these two in particular because the design of the St. Benedict Medal references them directly as examples of St. Benedict's fight against evil. So if you remember the story of St. Benedict, you'll remember that he started his monastic life as a hermit. Eventually, the monks of a nearby monastery retrieve him from his cave and elect him as their abbot. But perhaps they didn't know what they were signing up for, because Benedict turned out to have a pretty high standard. He wanted them to, you know, um, act like monks who were striving for holiness. They didn't take too kindly to this, and before long, they decided to get rid of him by poisoning his wine. Well, Benedict was in the habit of blessing his food and drink by making the sign of the cross over it, and as soon as he made the sign of the cross over the wine, the glass shattered, and their plot was thwarted. Another time, they decided to poison his bread, because if poison didn't work the first time, maybe, it'll, maybe they just had a lot of poison around, they had some leftover. Anyway, Benedict had this raven that he would often feed with part of his own food. This particular time, he realized that the bread was poisoned, so he asked the raven to carry it far away where it couldn't hurt anybody. The raven picked up the loaf and flew away. Now, both of these stories are clear examples of St. Benedict fighting evil, right? But neither one of them was like a dramatic showdown with the devil. I think that's worth noting, because, again, it's another reminder that our main fight against evil happens right there in the heart. In this case, it was evil in the hearts of his brothers when they decided to poison him. All right, now let's talk about the medal itself. Of course, medals with St. Benedict's image have existed pretty much since he was around, but especially as his popularity grew throughout Europe. These medals, like many depictions of St. Benedict, often showed him holding a cross in one hand and his rule in the other. As we see over and over again in his biography, St. Benedict had an incredible devotion to the cross and put all of his trust in its power. This is another key element of spiritual warfare. Where does our power come from? It's from the cross, which was Christ's great defeat of evil. Over time, other elements were added, including the series of letters that represent a prayer against evil. These letters are probably the most distinct feature of the medal, and we'll talk about them in a second. Nobody is sure exactly when the medal reached its current form, but the letters have been there at least since the early 1400s. The version of the medal that is most common today was designed in 1880 by the monks of Monte Cassino to celebrate the 1400th anniversary of St. Benedict's birth. So, what does that medal look like? As we mentioned already, the front has an image of St. Benedict holding a cross in one hand and his rule in the other. Next to the cross are the words crux 
S. Patris Benedicti, um, which stands for the Cross of Our Holy Father Benedict. Next to St. Benedict are two pedestals. One has a cracked chalice, and the other has a raven with a loaf of bread in its beak. These are both references to the stories we talked about a moment ago. The bottom of the medal says S.M. Casino, with the Roman numeral for 1880, indicating where and when it was first struck. Finally, the front of the medal has a prayer for St. Benedict's intercession inscribed around the margin. It says, Eus in obito nostro presentia muniamor, which means, may we be strengthened by his presence at the hour of our death. The back of the medal has a large Greek cross that takes up most of it. Um, so, you know, different styles of crosses. The one we think of often is the Latin cross. That's, if you just ask somebody to, like, draw a cross, that's what they probably draw. The Greek cross is the one that looks like a plus sign. So all four arms of the cross are equal length. That's what's on the back of the medal. And there are letters inscribed on the arms of the cross. There's also um, a letter in each of the four quadrants of the cross spelling out CSPB, as well as letters around the margin of the medal. At the very top, you find the word pox, which is Latin for peace. The CSPB stands for Crux Sancti Patri Benedicti, or the Cross of Our Holy Father Benedict. The rest of the letters are an abbreviation of different exorcism prayers, where each letter represents the first letter of a Latin word. The letters on the arms of the cross stand for Crux Sacra Sit Mihi Lux, Nunquam Draco Sit Mihi Dux. In English, May the Holy Cross be my light, may the dragon never be my guide. This prayer gets bonus points for rhyming, at least in the original Latin. Um, this is sort of the key principle of spiritual warfare. Uh, not the rhyming part, but the cross. Like I said, the cross is the ultimate victory of God against evil. The cross is a reminder to the devil, to demons, that they're on the losing side. Even though they keep the battle going, the war is over. Finally, the letters around the margin stand for Vade Retro Satana, Nunquam Suade Mihivana, Sunt Malaque Libas, Ipse Venena Bibas. In English, Get Behind Me Satan, or Begone Satan. Never tempt me with your vanities. What you offer me is evil. Drink the poison yourself. Um, this one doesn't get bonus points for rhyming, does it? but it does get points for intensity. So, let's say you find yourself in possession of a St. Benedict medal. What next? Well, as with any sacramental, it's never a bad idea to get it blessed by a priest. We'll talk about blessings in a future episode, by the way. But the St. Benedict Medal has its own unique blessing in which the authority of the church is invoked against evil. Because of this, medals that have been blessed using this prayer are called exercised medals. Recall from episode 21 that the term exorcism refers to prayers against evil that invoke the church's authority. After you get your medal blessed, the most common ways to use it are to wear it on a chain around your neck, attach it to your rosary, or keep it in your pocket. You can also find crucifixes with a medal embedded in them behind the corpus, and sometimes they're even placed in the cornerstones of new buildings. Personally, I have one on my rosary, and I also wear one on my scapular. The scapular I wear has a little pocket in each of the wool squares, um, perfect for a medal. Like we said at the top of the show, 
Sacramentals are supposed to be reminders for us. They're outward signs of piety. The letters on the medal should remind us to pray that prayer often, to invoke the cross in temptation, and to fight the power of evil. Remember, if you take away anything from this, I hope it is the idea that most spiritual warfare occurs in the mundane, everyday struggle. The constant fight against temptation, the constant fight to grow in virtue. The St. Benedict Medal is a tangible reminder of this fight, day in and day out. As much as we like to imagine the big dramatic battles that you'd make a movie out of, real life is more about perseverance than anything. And that's going to do it for today's episode. As with any sacramental, we are not saying that every person needs to incorporate every single one into their prayer life. That would be impossible. But perhaps consider the St. Benedict Medal, especially if you felt inspired by today's episode. You can find them wherever you get Catholic medals. Um, But if you want more resources about the St. Benedict Medal, you can head on over to bonuspointspodcast.com. Here are the links I have for you today. You'll find a link to the Catechisms section on sacramentals, an article about the history of St. Medals, and two chapters from Pope St. Gregory the Great's Dialogues that we quoted, as well as a page from the Benedictine Order about the history of the medal. Until next time, thank you for listening. Tune in next week as we continue every episode to put out into the deep to explore the world of theology and beyond.